the Bible Study Podcast, episode 726. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of 2 Corinthians with chapter 11. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We continue on with chapter 11 as Paul talks about false apostles and then also talks about a little bit more about what has happened to him. Chapter 11. I hope you will put up with me in a little foolishness. Yes, please put up with me. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. I do not think I am in the least inferior to those super apostles. I may indeed be untrained as a speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by receiving support from them so as to serve you. And when I was with you and needed something, I was not a burden to anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed. I have kept myself from being a burden to you in any way, and will continue to do so. As surely as the truth of Christ is in me, nobody in the region of Achaia will stop this boasting of mine. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. I will keep on doing what I am doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then that his, if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve." And so Paul is talking about this division here in the church in Corinth because others have come with a different agenda. And it happened early on in the church. It continues to happen today where people are preaching things that are a different gospel. And I don't mean that they literally walk into your church and say, hey, I've got a different version of the Bible that I think you'll like better. And yet we can preach and be inconsistent with what the Bible teaches. And that's kind of what Paul is running into. Of course, they didn't have the Bible written down, so it was even easier in those days. Well, I say it was even easier, but it's happened so many times since that that may not be true. So Paul came to Corinth and he established the church there. He preached the gospel for a number of years. And one of the things he points out is he tried not to be a burden to them. He was a tent maker. He was making his own living. And then also he was supported. It was a missionary church in the sense it was being supported. Specifically, he mentions the church in Macedonia was supporting him. He's saying, I robbed them to serve you. He's really saying that they were paying my way so that I didn't have to be a burden to you. But apparently this has become a bone of contention is something that the people who have come in 
are saying that they are better than Paul. That they're saying that they disagree with Paul and that they're that the word that they're bringing in is different. Now we don't I don't know specifically what people came in. Some of the early heresies that happened in the church were the Judaizers, for instance, who came in and Paul talks about them in the letter to the Galatians, for instance, people who came and said, you have to be Jewish to be a Christian, and therefore you have to be circumcised, you have to keep all the law and those things that the early church had already determined after revelation from God was not the case. But the church didn't solve that once and for all the Council of Jerusalem. It comes up again and again, and it comes up with the Judaizers. One of the other heresies that will come in is Gnosticism, which comes in probably a little later than this time. Uh, John will talk about the Gnostics as he's writing the letters to the churches in Revelation, for instance. And these are people who are saying that there's this secret word. There's this secret meaning and secret hitting things that we can tell you about. And that has always been attractive to us to to know that we're one of those people who knows the secret. And that's that's part of the uh, the attraction still today of conspiracy theories and all those sorts of things, and also of cults. I mean, it's it's different degrees, and but it's still that I have some secret knowledge thing. And so the Gnostics, as they came in, and they they were around for a, a couple hundred years. They're around from the period of the apostles and uh, into the early church period for a little while. In fact, you can find books now that talk about you know the Gnosticism, the the true secret thing that has been kept from you. And it's that same sort of thing. People selling that, you know, wouldn't you like to be in that choice group that knows the truth sort of thing. And it was the same thing they were selling back in the first century and the same thing they're selling in this century. And so Paul is comparing himself to these people who have come in and who are super apostles. They have come in and they have said, we're somehow greater than Paul and and we deserve to be paid because we're better preachers. And they may be better preachers than Paul. Just because you're a good preacher doesn't mean you're a true preacher. I'm, I'm good in the sense of being an effective or influential. We know that people who have had false words, people who've claimed to be false prophets, for instance, have often been very effective in terms of their their preaching. But it doesn't mean that it's true. And that's part of what Paul is arguing with here is you're no longer being consistent to the gospel that we taught you. You're no longer being faithful to Christ. And that's when he uses this image here of Christ as the bride of the church. And, you know, you're sleeping around a bit is, is basically what he's saying. And there will always be these false apostles to be sent but not from God, deceitful workers masquerading as apostles of Christ, because there is incentive. There is incentive to build up your own following, to to get the, the praise and the adulation or the money. Uh, we've seen that with TV preachers who get caught up in what they can make instead of what they're doing for the gospel. I'm not saying that's true of all TV preachers, but it has certainly been true for some that have been caught up in the what can I make for myself sort of thing. And and it will always be that way. I mean, they, until Christ comes again, there's going to be a need for us as the church to use some discernment. And discernment is a gift, but it's also something we're called to do, to measure what is being said, whether it being said inside a church context or outside, it doesn't really matter, and how consistent that is with the gospel of Christ. Because some people lie, and this is something that was always true, was true in Paul's time, and it's certainly true in our time with the internet. Paul boasts about his suffering. I repeat, let no one take me for a fool. 
But if you do, then tolerate me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. In this self-confident boasting, I am not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open ocean. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked, and besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak, and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Aretas had the city of Damascus guarded in order to arrest me, but I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. Paul's going to continue this train of thought in next chapter, which we'll do next week. But I want to stop and deal with what we've got here. So Paul says he's not saying that it's good to boast. In fact, he's saying it's foolish for him to boast. But apparently the people who've been coming in and preaching against what Paul says have been doing that. And so he's saying, well, if that's what you like, if that's what you're putting up with, if, if we're all about boasting, then let me tell you about me. He can't even not interrupt himself saying things like, I am out of my mind to talk this way. But he tells us a little bit about his journey, some of which you could pick up from the book of Acts and some of which isn't mentioned there because the book of Acts ends and Paul's journey goes on. And Paul apparently didn't have everything covered. So, for instance, I remember one shipwreck that happens in Acts, but that happens after this letter. It happens after this time period because Paul has not yet finished his journey to Jerusalem, if we understand where this letter goes into his history. So he's been shipwrecked a few times. He's been received the 40 lashes minus one. And that's very significant to understand what that means. 40 lashes were what they thought would kill you. And so 40 lashes minus one is to be almost killed with the lash. Been beaten with rods. He's been left for dead at least one time that's mentioned in Acts. And so he points out that he is a Hebrew. He is children of Israel. He is, you know, he doesn't mention it here, but he was a student under Gamaliel, one of the best known teachers in Jewish history. And he has put up with a lot to spread the gospel, bandits and dangers and, and being beaten and all of these things. He says, why do you put up with people who boast this way as if they're boasting 
because they have done more than me, as if they're boasting because they have they are greater than me, but also that they're boasting at all. And why are you putting up with people that enslave you or exploit you or take advantage of you or put on airs? Now he's got you know, or slap you in the face, and I don't know whether he means literally slap you in the face, but he's talking about people who so enslave them. I believe he's talking about spiritually here that they're bringing them back under. The yoke, probably the yoke of the law. We're probably talking about the Judaizers here in this case. Or exploit you, that they're taking advantage of you, for instance. And we see that it's very difficult if you believe in somebody to then change your mind and realize that they may not be out for your good. It happens all the time. You, you can see it in the nightly news or in your morning paper. It, it is something that is difficult for us as people Psychologists call it the halo principle, that once you decide that somebody is good, it's hard to see the bad. And once you decide that somebody is bad, it's hard to see the good. And so what Paul says is you seem to have decided that these people who are false teachers have come in are good, and you're, you're not even seeing how they're treating you. You're not even seeing that even their very behavior is inconsistent with the gospel of Christ. They're putting on airs. They're not coming in as a servant. They're not coming in as Paul did, working to make his own wages because it was important to him that they understand his motivation. But they're coming in saying that they're more important than the church in Corinth. They said, you don't see that this is inconsistent with the gospel of Christ. And this is not a Corinthian thing. This is not a first century thing. This is a something that is common for all of us. It's hard to see the bad and the good people and the good and the bad people. And when I say the good people and the bad people, the people who we have decided are good or bad, it's hard to change our minds because to change your mind means you have to admit you were wrong. And some of us would do anything rather than admit we were wrong. And that's not good. That really means that we're setting ourselves in a place where we cannot learn and cannot be taught. And that's really what Paul is telling the Church of Corinth that they've done here is you're you're blind to what's going on. You're blind to who these people are and even to how they're treating you. And we are no less susceptible to that weakness than the Church in Corinth is. Keep an eye out that just because you hear that this person is always good, look at their behavior. Just because you hear that this person is always bad, look at their behavior and see if what you're being told is the truth. And then Paul starts his story here about his rescue from Damascus, but he'll go into more detail about his life in next chapter. So come back next week to the Bible Study Podcast. But for now... We'll bring this episode of the Bible Study Podcast to a close. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.